Game seven, eight seconds left, home team down by one. Oh, the home team strips the ball and the point guard is all alone. But it appears that there's a wet spot on the free throw line. The fans go silent. Their championship aspirations flash before their eyes. Wait, someone's running out on the court. Oh my, it's the towel boy. How did he clean it so fast? The point guard takes off and dunks the ball. Game over, the crowd erupts. Towel boy, towel boy. Hello, and thank you, everybody, for another exquisite standing ovation. My name is Andy. And I'm Landon. And we are the Towel Boys. So on this podcast, Pod 26, we will be breaking down all 15 Eastern Conference teams, discussing what we think is the biggest move each team needs to make in order to have a successful offseason. So Landon and I will be going in order and reverse order of the standings from last season, saving the most complete teams ready to win titles for last. So let's kick it off at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Landon, what do you think is the number one thing the Cavaliers need to do in the offseason? Uh, just about everything. <laughs> uh, their roster is one of the weirdest mixes in the NBA. You have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland headlining the two guard spots, and they're both incredibly young. And then you look at the front court, and you have Kevin Love, a champion vet, as well as Andre Drummond, who just cannot find a place in the modern NBA. And he's also a seasoned vet. So it's just a really weird mix of talent that doesn't seem to mesh well. They barely played any time together. Kevin Love probably wants out. There's just a lot going on there. The biggest move they need to make is just praying that you can get rid of Kevin Love's contract, which extends another three years and is a mega deal. Absolutely. He's a great player still. He's a very solid player. Of course, he's not happy in Cleveland, and that's not going to help Kevin Love's playing <laughs> his performances. Like, like If you're not motivated, you're not going to be as good of a player as you are in a championship-caliber team. And he still has a lot to contribute, but at 32 years of age with three more years of pretty much $30 million, I mean, how many teams would really want to pick that up trying to contend for titles now? You would almost need him to pay off for a championship for it to be worth it. Like the, the one that you hear about a lot is Portland because they've just gone all offense already. And, you know, <laughs> it's not like more shooting can ever hurt, but you know, you've mentioned it before. That's just a weird fit because you'd think that Portland would be looking for defenders, not another shooter. Right, and and when the Trailblazers got knocked out by the Lakers this year, it wasn't at all the offense. Their offense was was great before Dame got hurt. It was it was the defense. I mean, nobody could stop Anthony Davis, and nobody could stop LeBron. And and adding Kevin Love, although he can stretch the floor, and you could put him at the five, I just I don't see that helping that team at all, really. Right, right. And then if you can't get off of that contract, you should at least be able to get off of the Drummond contract. He has this year plus a, or excuse me, he has a player option this year. And then after that, you just hope that you can get some picks for him at the trade deadline or something, even if they're even like second round picks and maybe a young player that hasn't developed that well and just see if you can transform that into something special. I mean, you're not going to get much for him in today's NBA, but you want to try. Right, and and even if 
you're not getting much value at all, even if it's literally to, to dump his salary and to move a good player. And he is a good player still. He's a really good player. But getting, getting Drummond off this team for this year allows you to see what you have in a lot of these young guys. They got some young bigs who really have no experience because they're playing behind Drummond and Kevin Love. And getting rid of those guys, I mean, Tristan Thompson's a free agent, so he's they're probably not going to re-sign him already. And if you get rid of him, I mean, Larry Nance is going to have to step up into a real role. And you got some other guys or Osman, see if he could play a three or a four. And then, obviously, your young guards. So this is a team that they really, if they can get rid of the vi- the veterans, their leading scorers and veterans, and, and see what they have, and then build through the draft over the next few years, that's probably the best move for the Cavaliers. Yeah, and there's not much more to talk about there. That's That pretty much summarizes the Cavaliers situation. It is bleak right now. It but really is. Let's move on to a team that has a better future ahead. The Atlanta Hawks finished second worst in the lesser conference last year. And my biggest takeaway for them is that they need to pay a scorer. As in, they have a ton of cap space this offseason. And I'm not saying you need to give a bunch of years on this deal, but you need to give a significant portion of that cap space that you have left to a scorer that can help out Trey Young in ball handling responsibilities and just taking the offensive burden off of Trey for pretty much every play because he's just a high usage guy right now and he can play off ball. So it wouldn't hurt to just add another guy that can that can alleviate some of those problems. This Hawks team, out of any non-playoff team in the East, I think you would agree with me, clearly has the highest potential and in, in- most obvious future to becoming relevant. I mean, they have a lot of guys. They have a 30 and 10 guy in Trey Young, a 20 and 10 guy in John Collins who was hurt last year, and then an absorbent amount of Cam Reddish uh, having DeAndre Hunter. These are two young guys they just took last year, two years ago, who are 3 and D guys, more so Hunter. But, I mean, Reddish is a scorer. Then you have Kevin Hoyter. You just got Capella. This is a team with a lot of promise. And like you said, outside of Trey Young at the guard position, I mean, they're they're kind of lacking in terms of playmaking and scoring. So having a, a Bogdan Bogdanovich or a DeMar DeRozan where, I mean, the Hawks have $50 million in cap space next year. And you might as well just spend it on a guy for a year or two and see exactly. if you can push this team to the playoffs because they have enough young guys. They just need the veterans. Yeah, just going down the list of some guys that might be available to sign or pick up through a trade would be the likes of Bogdanovich, like you mentioned before. That's Bogdan, not Bojan. DeMar DeRozan is a really interesting one. I think you throw DeRozan onto that team, and they are at least making the eighth seed in the East next year. You got KCP coming off of a very, very solid playoffs and finals. He was basically the third option for the Lakers, taking over the role that many thought Kuzma would. And then Jordan Clarkson is a free agent. He is just a lightning scorer at times, and he would help their offense move, especially when Trey Young is not on the floor. Yeah, I think Jordan Clarkson's a guy that that a lot of these young East teams could use. He's he's not that old himself, so he's still going to get better, and he's a very solid scorer. So, yeah, yep. I could and definitely giving, see yeah, giving him a balloon payment this summer would not be harmful because just give him like a one year, twenty million dollar contract or something. That's probably more than he would make over two years if you were giving him a deal that actually made sense. Like, I think he would be worth like two years, 10 mil or something. So just give him a balloon payment now, one year deal, and then see how 
your roster shakes out next year and keep some cap space open, you have a bright future ahead, Atlanta. Absolutely. Moving on to the Detroit Pistons. And the Pistons might have the bleakest future of any team in the East, even more so than the Cavaliers, in my opinion. This is a team that has, I mean, you have Blake Griffin, of course, who's on the books this year, has a player option next year. And then you have not that much young talent on this team. I mean, what do you do with this team? Well, a rebuild. (laughs) There's nothing you can do here to salvage what you have. You just don't have the trade assets in the form of young talent. You don't have like some number one pick coming in that's going to change the entire franchise. You have to trade Blake Griffin, Derek Rose, see what value you could get, hopefully some draft picks. I think they should re-sign Christian Wood, who's coming off of a very solid uh, end of the last season. He's a power forward that can definitely finish inside and play some good defense. They could use him, and he's young still. And I would try to go after a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who is a proven winner who can kind of organize their offense and add a little toughness to a roster that is depleted of it. Yeah, and and right now, like you said, they, they have some good veterans. And when they had Drummond and when they had Reggie Jackson, it was really a push for the, the playoffs and, and see what we can do. Um, and at this point, they have Sekou Dumbia, who averaged 20 points this past year. He was a great rookie, showed a lot of promise. And, and it's really guys like... It, it's those guys like him and Christian Wood where it's if you re-sign Christian Wood, you give these guys a lot of playing time, you see what you have, and even with them playing a lot, I mean, you're not going to win very many games if you're able no. to get rid of Blake Griffin, and it's time to tank and get some picks. And I know everybody hates the tanking word, but if you are in a big market and you don't have a big future, like you might as well get rid of your good players for as much value as you can get and, and see what you can do from there. I think the proper term should be rebuild. Because that sounds much less aggressive, especially to fans. We'll <laughs> it call it an unintentional tank. Yes, yeah, a re- sure, they, sure. they need a full rebuild, like you said. Getting a guy like Van Vliet, which we talked about with the Hawks, where you can just give him a balloon deal, just give him as much money as you want because you have a lot once you get rid of Blake Griffin. They can afford to do that and really see if Van Vliet can be the guy and, and see eventually when they have some more picks coming in what those guys can do. Yeah, and let's keep moving through these bleak-looking Eastern Conference teams. <laughs> you got the Knicks next. Oh, what what do you think they should do? Well, the New York Knicks, big market. They have the ability to get guys, and instead of getting guys, they decided to to sign 17 power forwards, as, <laughs> as the media loves to talk about. I mean, right now you have Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson who have team deals. Team Do options, not resign yeah. either one. Let them walk. Yep. The the real thing is because you're the Knicks and you have a lot of money and you once you um, decline those team options and you have the potential to get a big guy, make a move for one. Try to get Russell Westbrook. Try to get Chris Paul. Try to get that big game changing player that's gonna try to draw and attract different talent that would before say, "Wow, this Knicks team is a disgrace." But when you have top 15, top 20 players in Westbrook or CP3 there. Who knows what you can accomplish? You're in New York still. Yeah. I mean, just the city is attractive. The ownership, 
literally just cancels out everything that the city does, which is insane to say because everybody wants to be in New York. Yet Dolan is such a moron that they just <laughs> completely avoid going to the Knicks. It's it's one of the weirder just dynamics in the NBA. And then you're looking at a guy like Westbrook or Chris Paul. I honestly don't think the Knicks are going to make the playoffs no matter what happens in this offseason. But it's more about revenue and interest. And like you said, pulling in another star in the future. Because while that team would still be complete garbage, even with Russell Westbrook or CP3 at the helm, what you're looking at a few years down the road is renewed fan interest and guys being like, wow, I want to go back to the garden and you know bring it back to what it once was. Absolutely. It's about making memories, the New York memories. You're in New York. You're in a big city. You have tons of fans. They're going to buy your jersey up if you're a good right, player. Right. And if you have a leader that wants to be there and wants to win, and once Dolan leaves, because that, that's a mess that I don't think is going to be fixed on its own, but eventually when he gets forced out, because I think at some point it'll happen, I mean, yeah, people are going to want to play here again. It's, it's a matter of time, and a good way to shortcut that is to try to get a big star who isn't on a who is not in a good situation right now and teams are willing to get rid of his contract. It's a good time to jump for one. Yeah, uh, I agree. And then another bleak looking team, the Chicago Bulls. I think the biggest thing for them, if you are not going to rebuild, we're going under that assumption that they don't trade Levine. They don't trade Wendell Carter. They don't trade Markinen. They're just sticking with what they got and adding to it. I think they need a secondary vet scorer, a guy that can come in when Levine isn't on the floor and just get buckets. And that's not a large list of guys that are available like that because they have significant value. You need people that can just score in isolation, score off the dribble, all of that business. But you're looking at a guy like bring Derrick Rose back to Chicago. I think that would be fantastic for both parties. Absolutely. You have... Lou Williams of the Clippers, that situation went south, obviously, in the playoffs. There have been rumors that the Clippers might want to blow up that team. You could try to get him to come in and just give a little spark off the bench. And then Jordan Clarkson, you could sign him like we were talking about previously with the Hawks. Yeah, and and we both know Kobe White's a tremendous scorer already, and he's only 20. He's going to become a better score and eventually he'll be the second guy but you want a veteran that's going to come in as we talked about that can really be effective from day one not only on the court but how about influencing these young guys and teaching them how to be a pro right it it doesn't seem like the bulls really have any veterans who are helping the team in that direction they have thaddeus young who's a good player but how about somebody how about a lou will type of of guy outside of the strip club bubble incident (laughs) i mean but you, you want the influence and and, and the model. calm from yeah. from a veteran, and they don't really have that right now. So that's definitely a direction. I mean, like you said, Derrick Rose would be such a great story if he went back to Chicago. Yep. They would welcome him in a heartbeat. Exactly. Uh, you want to talk about the next team? Yeah. So next up we have the Washington Wizards, a, a historically great offense this year without John Wall. And – zero defense so when you look at this team of course they have brad beal and they have john wall coming back they have a tremendous backcourt they have a top 10 maybe a top five depending on how john wall looks backcourt the problem is i mean they have a young guy in Rui who's pretty good 
the issue is if Bertans leaves, I mean, where are you going to get the rest of your scoring from? Where are your threes and your fours? So the biggest thing the Wizards need is to get some three and D guys, some threes, some, some small forwards, some power forwards that are able to play solid defense, unlike most of this team, and are able to stretch the floor for a guy like John Wall, who's not just he's not historically been a great shooter. He's probably not going to come back and be a 40% shooter either. So guys like Danny Green, Gary Harris, Dorian Finney-Smith, maybe a Jay Crowder if the Heat don't want to re-sign him so they can keep space open. These are all guys that can come in and contribute right away. And this is a Wizards team. They're not going to try to tank. I mean, they're, they're, they're gunning for the playoffs this year. No, you can't try to tank because you have so much salary wrapped up in John Wall and Bradley Beal. I mean, that's kind of the problem, if we're being honest. It's that John, John Wall is making like over $40 million, and that just eats away at the possibility to put good players around him and Beal. But with that being said, like, a guy like Danny Green, you could get for a discount based on his playoff performance. And then, you know, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, like those two heat wing players that probably won't get re-signed by the team. They could get picked up by a team like the Wizards and just play a big role there. Like that would be mutually beneficial. Dorian Finney-Smith is a good one from the Mavericks. That would be a trade, and the Mavericks definitely value him for the same reasons the Wizards would, but maybe you could pull something off there. These guys are just important to the Wizards because you have a very good point guard and shooting guard. Thomas Bryant has shown flashes, but like like we've been saying, like you just need to fill those small forward, power forward positions with quality players. And as we've always talked about, last point on the Wizards, because it's been it's been a minute. But <laughs> it's all about versatility in today's NBA. And Thomas Bryant, he's he's somewhat versatile for a five, but who are the threes and the fours that are going to be able to switch constantly? They yep. need those guys. They're missing them right now. Yeah, but so on to the Charlotte Hornets. I think this team is a weird one because they kind of need everything but they have some decent players. So if you're looking at Terry Rozier, who was given a big contract last free agency, and then Devontae Graham, who is an emerging young talent this year, they were both good this year. Like neither was amazing. They're both kind of inefficient scorers. But for the sake of it, let's just say that your point guard and shooting guard vacancies are filled. Then you look down the roster, P.J. Washington was one of the better rookies last year. I think he'll keep improving, so you can check off the power forward position. And then you have Miles Bridges, I believe. McCall is the one on the Suns. So Miles Bridges at the small forward position, who's a decent 3 and D guy. That leaves center, and they have Cody Zeller in there right now. I don't think I need to say much about that. (laughs) Fill that hole and they'll improve a little bit at least, depending on who they get. There are a bunch of options here. Trade up in the draft, get James Wiseman. That'd be awesome for the Hornets. Just having a young potential superstar come in and actually take that organization to maybe the playoffs if he's really, really good. Miles Turner would be an interesting fit there. Everybody loves a stretch big, which leads into a guy like Myers Leonard, who played significant minutes for a very good Heat team in the regular season. He could help out there as well. Andre Drummond, that's a potential Cavaliers trade partner. 
Montrez Harrell is a free agent. These are just all the kinds of guys that the Hornets could add to fill that center position and make them a little bit more relevant. And as a small market team, it's it's fine to say we're willing to spend a little bit more. Let's remember that Batum after this year's a free agent, and the Hornets only have $32 million on the books for 2021-2022. So they basically have nothing. So if you want to overpay for a guy like an Andre Drummond or a Miles Turner, Myers Leonard is a guy who he, he's not he probably shouldn't be a starter consistently, but I mean he could be a pretty solid, a valuable piece on that team. They can overpay for a guy. A Montrez Harrell, they can give him $25 million. They just need talent. They want to attract fans, and they want to see what these young guys have. And adding a center really isn't going to block these young guys from blossoming. It's going to help. Right. Exactly. So let's move on to the playoff teams. Yeah. So the the number eight seed this year, the Orlando Magic. This is a weird team. Um, because you have some pieces, you have some young talent, but they've been kind of trending in the same direction for a few years, and it doesn't seem to be working too much. There's obviously these rumors with Aaron Gordon and with other guys, and I would say it's it's really time to blow up the core. Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, these are guys that probably shouldn't come back. It, it seems like it's been time. There's a report out today that the Magic are finally looking to trade Aaron Gordon. That guy just needs a change of scenery, honestly. I think he could really succeed in a different spot. And I think the Magic, just just like you said, it's time. The, the, the deadline on that pairing of Vooch and Aaron Gordon in the front court, along with like Fournier, that whole core is just, it's never going anywhere. Terrence Ross off the bench. Like if I have to watch them play another game, I'll just turn my TV off. I, I can't handle that. <laughs> It's too middling because they can win some games. They could beat the Bucks in the playoffs one time without a few of their better players. But overall, they're just never going to, you know, go higher than the seventh seed in the East. So not only do I think that they should trade Aaron Gordon and Fournier, those are automatics. They should be gone. I think it might be time to trade Vucevic because a contending team, I mean, he could be an awesome third option on like let's say the Clippers or something, but you could probably get a decent amount back for him. Maybe some young talent, maybe a few role players to to head into the future. I just think that whole core could be could be up for the trade market. Oh, of course. And if if, if the Warriors came to you and said we'll give you the number two pick, I would say let's do it right now. It's time to get some young talent. Jonathan Isaac's a great young piece, but he's been hurt what two years in a row now, and he's going to be out for a while. Yeah. Mo mm-hmm. Bamba, I mean, he's got a song about him, but he doesn't produce like he has a song about him. No. <laughs> he's no Tyler Hero, but... <laughs> <laughs> True. But, so they, they need to bring in more young pieces, and they're spending $75 million on five guys on their team. On Vooch, Aaron Gordon, Fournier, Terrence Ross, and Markel Fultz. And that is way too much money for those five pieces. So yep. it, it's time to blow it up, see what they can do. Let's move for on. Sure. Now, the most interesting team that's they were the seven seed last year, but of course they they are gonna be way better this year. The Brooklyn Nets. What do they need? <laughs> They're pretty good, right? Like they have a ton of talent. They probably have the most talent in the East, like combined among all their players, if not the entire league. I mean, it depends on how Kevin Durant and Kyrie come back, but I think they'll be good. I mean, so they might not need anything. Let's disclaimer. They might not yeah. need anything. 
But exactly. if they did, if they did, they would consolidate some of their decent, like decent to good players. So aside from Durant and Kyrie, into a perimeter defender because Kyrie is not a guy that you can throw on top tier point and shooting guards and expect that he'll limit them at all. So if you could pick up a guy like Drew Holiday or Victor Oladipo, even somebody like Lonzo Ball, maybe exchange like Dinwiddie for Lonzo, just someone to add defense because you have more than enough scoring just between Kyrie and Kyrie and Durant. And then if you have Levert there as well, you just really need defense. Absolutely. And and I can even amend the statement of saying they need a perimeter defender to saying they just need a third guy because a lot of these guys who are out there, Oladipo and Drew Holiday, are really good defenders. And Drew Holiday is the perfect piece for the Brooklyn Nets, in my opinion. He would instantly come in as the best defender, best on-ball defender, who can, who's really going to be guarding the, the first option on any team. And then you still have Kyrie and KD, of course, scoring, but Drew Holiday's a good scorer too. So he's the perfect piece that I think they should make a move for. If not, Oladipo's a really good option. Who, I mean, if he gets back to his uh, former level, his past level, he's going to be incredible. So making a move for a solid guard defender is, is definitely the move. That's right. what the Nets need to do. I will say, though, like, Drew Holiday is the perfect piece for a lot of teams, right? Like oh, the absolutely. perfect third piece. <laughs> because you look at like the Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks, the yep. Heat, the I mean, nearly yeah. every elite team, he's that guy that you isn't so good that you can't trade for him, but is just good enough to like slot in there, take some ball handling, some scoring duties, and defend the other team's best player. I mean, he's he's just that perfect guy. Absolutely. Let's move on to the sixth seed, the Philadelphia 76ers. This is a weird team that we know the whole trust the process has gotten them to this point with Embiid and Simmons. What do you think they should do? I mean, I have thought for a while they should blow it up. And by that, like, you're not getting off of that Tobias contract. That's locked in. But... That Horford contract is a little bit more movable because it's shorter and the last year is only partially guaranteed. I think you try to get off Horford, but that's not where you stop. You also try to get off of one of Embiid or Simmons. I shouldn't say try to because you're going to get a very nice haul back for either of them. I just think it's time to split that pairing up, get shooting next to one of them, and see what they could do separately because I understand last year got a little... It doesn't count that much in terms of the pairing because Simmons was injured in the playoffs. But even throughout the regular season, they were disappointing. And it's not like they've ever really carried themselves anywhere significant in the Eastern Conference. You look at the one year where they went to Game 7 against the eventual champion Raptors, and a lot of that was Jimmy Butler, his leadership, his going toe-to-toe with Kawhi. Like, Tobias shrank away from the moment. Simmons can't really score when you need him to. I just think it's time to split that whole dynamic up. They have a ton of money guaranteed. And like you said, Tobias Harris, who's making $41 million three years from now, (laughs) nobody is going to take that trade. Nobody. Uh, Al Horford, like you said, is is a little bit more movable because he's only making 26 and a half two years from now. And, And while it's a lot, 
there are a lot of these uh, worst teams in the East that aren't going to attract these huge superstars. It might take a guy like Al Horford because they have the salary cap. But I, yeah. I agree with you that blowing it up, there's a lot of impatient fans in Philly, and for good reason at this point. It, it seems the dynamic doesn't work. Obviously, Ben Simmons, the whole stereotype, I mean, it's true that he can't shoot, um, and, and that affects things. And you really need to build a team around Ben Simmons if you have a guy that can't shoot at point guard or you build a team around Embiid. So I, I definitely agree they need to blow it up, take some of that salary away, get some smaller contracts back with some shooters. Uh, it's it's I think it's time. If they want to run it back one more year, we'll see what they have when everybody's healthy. I just I don't see this team at a championship level. I, I don't see them winning a title. Yeah, and let's just talk about some options really quick for the Sixers. So the Simmons for Harden swap, although it is interesting, does not seem like it's going to happen. There have been reports that the Rockets are not interested, and rightfully so. James Harden is one of the best scorers that we've ever seen, and Simmons cannot score. <laughs> yep. So I was thinking perhaps the number one pick from the Wolves could be an enticing offer to push Ben Simmons on to the Timberwolves along with his friends, Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. They're all like the same age and they kind of play video games together and stuff. So <laughs> therefore they're friends. Um, he should really be working on his jump shot instead. Carl Anthony yep. Towns probably on his defense, but you know, it's all good. Um, Buddy Heald. He's, he's a cool one. I like that evaluation just in terms of the trade aspect for the Heald, maybe Horford Richardson swap, something like that. And like a pick going back to the Kings. Buddy Heald would be awesome next to either Embiid or Simmons or both. And I think that's a trade that the Sixers really need to explore. Yeah, it's it's very it's very possible and likely that the Sixers don't blow it up because they're not just going to give up Simmons or Emmett or Embiid for bad value. I mean, these are two young guys who are top twenty five players. Like they're really really good guys. They're not just going to give them up for for a buddy healed. Like, so if if they want to look to add a lot better shooting and improve their shooting around those two, maybe they can make a run at the East. Can I just say? Simmons would be the perfect fit for the Timberwolves. I don't think there's a single player that would fit better on that roster. I agree. With, with a you. stretch five in Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell as the primary scoring option in crunch time, like that's the perfect slot for Simmons. He can be the distributor. He would guard the other team's best player. He would just, you know, like that's his role. That's literally his role. I, I hope he goes there, honestly. It'd be a great fit, and it'd be really interesting because, like you said, having the perfect stretch five is exactly what Simmons needs if he's not going to fix his jump shot overnight. Yep. And we yep. know he's not going to do that. So uh, we'll see Sixers. Interesting team, a lot of money tied up, a lot of talent. We'll see. Moving on to the fifth seed, the Miami Heat, a surprising team that made the finals this year. What do they need? Well, they could use one of two things. The first thing I wrote was a front court mate for Bam. So a power forward or a center that slots in nicely next to Bam, who can stretch the floor and preferably play a little defense. The other thing that they could get, we're not going to talk about it right now, but 
a perimeter defender because when you're playing Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Goran Dragic, at the end of games, sometimes it's kind of tough to lock up like every perimeter player on the other team. So adding a guy in there that could help with that would definitely be beneficial. On uh, Back to the front court, mate, for Bam, idea. A few options. Trade for LaMarcus Aldridge. The price probably would not be that high. And then if the Orlando Magic are trying to get rid of Nikola Vucevic, that's another option that could slot in next to Bam, be big on the inside, allow Bam to show off his perimeter defense a little more and, you know, play a little more help defense. I think that's an interesting option. And then Abaka and Millsap are both intriguing free agents to slot there as well. Yeah, it's, it's important to note that the Heat are, have been the most verbal, or even if they haven't been, the reports have been the most obvious. I mean, the Heat are waiting till after this year to, to look to see to, if they can get a guy like Giannis or a Kawhi. So they're not trying to tie up long money. So a guy like Vucevic, if they are trying to go for a guy like Giannis, it's probably not going to work. Uh, the Heat are definitely looking, if they're not going to sign back Jay Crowder, for short-term options. So a guy like Serge Ibaka, who they can try to give him a huge one-year deal, if he wants to try to win a title with the Heat, would be a perfect option. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting with them because they have a, various routes they can go in terms of reforming the roster from last year that went to the finals or just keeping it the exact same. Basically, just a transition period into the summer of 2021 when they're going to go after any big fish they can. So... Uh, for them, it's more of just like a one-year transition period, and if we can get to the finals again, we'll do it, but you know, we're not going to push all of our chips on the table for this year. Absolutely. Moving on to the number four seed that got swept by the number five seed, we have the Indiana Pacers, which surprisingly fired Nate McMillan as their head coach, even though he was doing a pretty good job, but you know, their performance apparently was bad enough to fire him. So this is another strange situation where what do you do? You have a good amount of talent, a lot of money tied up. I'd say the answer is probably trading Victor Oladipo. All the rumors seem to suggest that and allowing Brogdon and other guys to get some more playing time. Let's really see if TJ Warren is the real deal or if it was just a bubble wonder. But do do you agree with that? What else could the Pacers do? Well, they definitely should trade Oladipo. It seems like he already has a foot out of the door. And like he just wants to be somewhere else. So let him go. See what you could get for him. There are various packages that will probably be presented for him. I'll say them in order of best to worst. So if the Nets offer a Karis Levert package, that is probably the top tier thing you can get for Oladipo. The next expected package would be Bledsoe, DiVincenzo, and picks from the Bucks. So if you can pull off that trade, you're getting a young guy in DiVincenzo that's shown some promise, fulfilling the same uh, position that Oladipo has vacated. And then you're also getting Bledsoe, who is an all-NBA defender. He's choked in the playoffs, but maybe you could reduce his role a little bit as a scorer because you have Sabonis and Turner and Brogdon. And you could just have him on there, like, you know, just for defense, really. And then the last one I have here is the Heat package. So that would be Kendrick Nunn, Kelly Olynyk, and probably the 20th pick in this year's draft. 
So that one would be really your last option out of those three. That's if the Nets refuse to put Levert in and the Bucks find another deal that they're more interested in. And and for those for the listeners out there that are saying, well, Oladipo is better than all of those guys you named. Also remember that after this year, Oladipo's going to walk anyway. He's a free agent. So it's it's really whichever team makes the best offer and the Pacers want to get any value, they'll make the trade. And the only also, thing holding, injury has diminished his value. Of course. And, and the only thing holding a team like the Pacers back would be, well, do we want to trade him to a rival? For example, the Miami Heat just swept us. Do we want to trade him to the Miami Heat? So the Pacers have a lot of options and a lot of a lot of thinking to do on both sides of that. But I mean, why why would you let Oladipo walk for nothing? You're probably not. You're going to take the best offer, right? Definitely. So on to the Boston Celtics. What do you think they need? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Boston Celtics have the most obvious need in the NBA. There is no hiding it. There is no covering it up. Daniel Tice cannot be a starting center for a playoff team trying to win a title. Bam, who's 6'9", manhandled him. So the Celtics' options, Miles Turner and Rudy Gobert are the two that I hear the most often that make sense. You have Miles Turner, who would be less money, can stretch the floor really well, and you also have Gobert, who would fit into the defensive mindset and be just this seven-foot French menace for anybody trying to drive. Of course, he doesn't spread the floor as much, but other options include Drummond, Kevin Love, more of a four slash five, but he can stretch the floor and he can play the five. You have Vucevic, he's another guy. So the Celtics have lots of options, but they really need to make a move for a big man. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Tice just got destroyed against Bam, and that was what probably set Danny Ange off enough to trade some assets because he never does that. He just hangs on to everything. And it's kind of cost them at times. They definitely had a chance to get Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis. They could have thrown in an offer for, but he's not really interested in those, in those kinds of deals. So maybe he'll finally get pushed to, to give up a few things to get something back. I think it's about time. And the Gobert trade in my mind makes a lot of sense, but that would probably involve giving up a couple of pieces he wouldn't want to give up. So I think the most realistic and maybe the best or one of the best for the Celtics would be Miles Turner, because I don't think you have to give up that much. See if you can try to throw Hayward in a trade with some picks or some value for a guy like Miles Turner. Yeah, I mean, you need to throw in some value along with Hayward because he does not (laughs) net you Miles Turner. No, no. But yeah. Most obvious, big man. Don't need to talk about the Celtics too much. They're still a really good team, let's remember. And that's without a center. If they had a center, they might take the East next year, which is my pick. Yeah, it's very possible. The number two seed Toronto Raptors, who they they won two years ago. They lose Kawhi Leonard, a top three player in the league. And they had a great regular season, and then they lost because... Game seven, baby. They lost because of a lack of scoring. Because of their number one option, supposed number one option, only having one move, which is a spin move into the lane where the ball gets stripped and well, he cries and goes to well, the other he has side a, of the Well, he has a spin move, but then he has a double spin move, and then he has a triple spin move. So he has a lot of different moves. A lot of different spins. Don't in, don't Pascal Siakam cannot cycle. be your number one option. It's like a tornado in the lane. <laughs> 
No, but like, like Siakam is not an elite shooter right now. He might eventually become a good shooter. Um, but he's too inconsistent. And Kyle Lowry cannot be your leading scorer. So it's very obvious. They need a natural scorer, a guy who can come in and produce, whether that's a Zach Levine in a perfect world that they can try to trade for him, or a Buddy Heald, or if they want to sign and trade for Bertans or just sign him if they let a couple guys walk. They need some more scoring because this is an elite defense that game on the line, two minutes left. I don't know who you're turning to because Van Vliet and Lowry are not grade-A options. They had Kawhi Leonard two years ago. They need somebody who can score in the realm of that, and they don't have that right now. I have to say, the Raptors were one of, I think they were the hardest team for me to evaluate regarding what they need for the main reason that Fred Van Vliet is a free agent, Serge Ibaka is a free agent, Marcus Saul is a free agent. Right. Like a lot of their core is either leaving or getting re-signed and until we know those decisions it's kind of hard to evaluate what they need because perhaps Van Vliet makes another jump and becomes this natural scorer that we're talking about that they need but if he doesn't stay then you're looking at a situation where you need a guy like that to take on the scoring brunt for Van Vliet's you know departure and and you never know with with Ujiri at the top I mean if the Raptors do let those guys walk and say, hey, we're going to wait till next year, and they try to reunite with Kawhi Leonard or get Giannis, I mean, who knows what they can do? They're going to have a lot of money. So, I mean, this yeah. is a team that has a lot of options, great coaching, great system, great ownership. They have a lot going forward for them. Ananobi is a tremendous young talent. Siakam's still young. So they have a lot of options here. Definitely. And the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks, an early second round exit surprised people. It's the second year in a row they wanted to get farther as the number one seed and did not. And I feel like this is a relatively obvious need because, um, of course, you have Giannis and Middleton. But what do you not have? Well, you don't have a third option, a reliable one. It's been right. Eric Bledsoe in the past, Brooke Lopez on some nights. In order to keep Giannis, the Bucks need to at least make the finals and inspire him a little bit. And you are not doing that with Giannis and Middleton leading the squad. It was really clear against the Heat this year that they need to change that up. I'm not going to go as far as to say... I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Maybe you could do it if your players were not held to 30 minutes a night by your coach. So (laughs) perhaps with a different coach, that squad could go. But they said they're retaining Budenholzer, in which case you need a guy like Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, Oladipo to come in and just, you know, provide a little electricity because Middleton isn't really that guy. While he's a great, efficient scorer, he doesn't like he doesn't just propel that the team to like a different level in terms of energy. There's just this drop off that the Raptors, if you go to their third through fifth guys, or the Celtics, their third through fifth guys, or even the Pacers and the Heat, and these guys, like these teams have solid, reliable players who can who can isolate, and I just don't see another guy outside of Giannis and Middleton anywhere in the realm of that. I mean, Bledsoe, I just don't trust him as a scorer. He's a phenomenal defender. Brooke Lopez, a very good shooter, can occasionally post up a smaller guy, but he's not taking over an offense. So they really have nothing. They're hoping for a guy like Dante DiVincenzo to develop and 
grow that offensive game, but right now they don't have it. And even adding a guy who's been hurt, like Victor Oladipo, would still help you because he's more of a natural scorer. He can put up 15, 17, maybe 20 points a game and can really help you if you have a guy like Giannis or Middleton get in foul trouble, get hurt. We saw it this year. They relied heavily on Middleton, who came through, but they need more. And all the guys you named, CP3, Drew Holiday, Victor Oladipo, they aren't just really good offensive weapons, but they're also really good defenders that would fit nicely into the Bucks' defensive scheme. Right. And I just want to give an alternative option here because actually there are two alternative options now that I think about it. The first alternative I'm thinking to getting a third option is getting a better second option and replacing <laughs> Chris Middleton with somebody who can be counted on more consistently and has done it before in the big moments and stuff. So, you know, it's not like James Harden's available, but if you could get a guy who you know you can count on to score and especially score off the dribble since that's not necessarily Middleton's specialty, that would be another route to go. The other option that, I don't know, nobody really talks about this, but what if Giannis slid to center you get rid of Brooke Lopez for some value, preferably 3 and D guys, and then you started running a switch lineup with Giannis at center, Middleton at, you know, the 4, the 3, a 3 and D guy at 4, like you could even trade Bledsoe for like a shooting point guard. I just think that that would be a cool route to go where you entirely switch up your philosophy and put shooting around Giannis, get Lopez out of their clog in the paint sometimes and just like Go for it like that. There's a lot of options for it this year because, of course, Giannis going to free agency is the scary thing. But the Bucks need to figure it out. They have this year to try to build a contender and prove to Giannis they're serious, not only about contending, but about willing to spend money and going into the luxury tax to try to win championships. Because we've seen how vocal that that uh, we've seen how vocal Giannis is about wanting titles. And another option we didn't talk about. I don't know how realistic this is, but. If the Clippers are really fed up with Paul George, maybe a Middleton and something for Paul George swap? Maybe? I know Paul George didn't come through in the clutch, but he's a better player than Middleton still. So I, I they, there's options to trade, guys. I like your idea about getting Lopez out of there or moving him to the bench and running Giannis to the five. I think that's the best option. But still, a guy like Bledsoe and Giannis on the court at the same time, it's not a lot of shooting. Yeah, yeah. Bledsoe is a weird fit with Giannis, so I would like to see... I mean, it's too bad they didn't keep Brogdon and get rid of Bledsoe, right? That was a oh, pretty man. big that error. Was, yeah, that was bad. It changed everything. I mean, this is a much better team. With, I mean, Brogdon's a really good player. Yep. That sums it up for the East. Uh, what's your? What do you think the most important need that we talked about is for one team what, what is the number one move the the team that you think is most important needs to make hmm i i have a pretty obvious one and it is the most obvious one the celtics need a center and they will probably go to the finals if it's a very good one i'm going to say the bucks because i'm not thinking short term here but if they add a third guy i mean that might prove the honest he wants to stay and they can try to convince him to stay especially if it's a guy like CP3 or Drew Holiday who has a lot of talent. So I'm going to say the Bucks most desperately need to make a move because if not, 
They might franchise their whole, they might mortgage their whole future in their franchise player. I agree with that. Yeah, I was definitely thinking for next season. Long term, it's easily the Bucks. Right. And of course, the Nets have a chance to win the title now, and adding a player would be huge. So those are the three teams, I think, that making moves would directly impact the most. But yeah, is I, I don't disagree. And that's it for the East. Hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure to stay tuned. We'll release a podcast next week about the West teams and what they need to do. But of course, as always, thanks again for listening. Make sure to continuously check us out on Twitter and Instagram. We post daily plenty of great content that if you guys want to comment on, like on, feel more than free. Go ahead. But as always, Towelboy signing off. Always remember to embrace your inner towel boy.